Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke chapter 16, uh, verses 10 through 13 is where we're going to start uh, our service today. Uh, But we're in the middle of a message series called, Lord, Make My Life Count. And uh, we've been looking at uh, different areas of life that we want to make count. We want to make count for God. Right? You only get one life. You want to make sure that you make it count. And so far, we've looked at the uh, areas of work. Make your work count. So work, rest, faith, and prayer. And today we come to the subject of money. How do you make your money count? And we're going to be looking at a variety of scriptures this morning, but we'll begin by reading this one in Luke 16, uh, verses 10 through 13. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we uh, look at this uh, challenging topic this morning, this is a tough one for a lot of us. But Lord, it's, it's one that applies to all of us. We all deal with money every day of every week of every year. And uh, Lord, we do want to make our money count for you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, with the verses we'll be looking at, with the teaching we will be receiving from your word. Uh, Help us to listen, to hear, and then, Lord, to adjust our lives accordingly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So our question for the morning is, how do you make your money count? Okay, Not how do you count your money, I figure you know how to do that, right? But how do you make your money count? We all make money in this life. But what you do with your money once you make it, makes a huge difference in your life and in the life of others. Money is a tool for some a resource for others, and an idol for many. Money can bring either a blessing or a curse. Money itself is neutral, but how you view it will determine how you handle it. And how you handle it will make all the difference in your life. So how do you make your money count? You know, the world has different theories about that. Some would say that whoever makes the most money is the one who makes their money count. Others say whoever saves the most money is the one who makes their money count. Then others say whoever spends the most money is the one who makes their money count. And then still others say whoever gives 
the most money is the one who makes their money count. So what does God say? Today we're going to look at three vitally important principles from God's Word that will help you in this whole matter of making your money count. And if you want to make your money count, you must both understand and apply uh, these three biblical principles we're going to look at this morning. The principle of ownership, the principle of stewardship, and the principle of generosity. And all three of those principles are in the outline that you'll find in your worship guide. I encourage you to take that out, uh, to follow along, maybe jot down some notes as we go. Principle number one, let's get started. The principle of ownership. The principle of ownership. And there's two parts uh, to this principle. And the first part is simply this. God owns it all. You ever think of that? God owns it all. We read in Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. And I don't think God could have put it any more plainly, right? God owns the title, free and clear, to planet earth and everything in it. That means God owns every mountain, every ocean, every island, every stream. God owns the sea and the land. Every acre of every continent belongs to him. The whole earth belongs to God. You might wonder, well, why is that? Well, Psalm 24 tells us, because he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. He is the creator, and therefore the whole earth belongs to him. But you see, God doesn't just own the planet itself. What else does Psalm 24 says? He owns everything in the planet as well. And that means that God owns all of the resources we have that come out of the ground or the sea. And then God doesn't just own the material things that are in the earth. Because Psalm 24 says the world and all who live in it. And so God owns all life on the planet as well. All the animals on the land or in the sea or in the sky belong to him. And yes, all the people who live in the earth belong to him also. Psalm 24 is a title deed without any restriction. This planet, this world, indeed this universe is God's. He made it. He owns it. It's that simple. And because everything that you have comes from the earth. Have you ever thought about that? Everything you have comes either from the earth or the sea. Show me something you got that didn't come from there, right? Everything, because everything you have comes from the earth. That means everything you have belongs to God too. God owns your house, your car. Your clothing, your collections, your electronics, and your art. And yes, he owns your money as well. God owns it all. Everything comes from God and therefore everything 
belongs to God. That's the first part of this, this first principle, the principle of ownership. God owns it all. But there's a second part of this principle. God trusts you with his wealth. God trusts you with his wealth. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 16. We read this a little bit earlier. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Have you ever thought of your possessions that way? God owns it all, therefore everything you have is on loan from God. Whatever you have, whatever you quote-unquote own, really belongs to God. He has simply entrusted these things into your hands. And this especially applies to your money because what you do with your money will determine whether you have done a good job managing God's wealth or not. How do you make your money count? You begin with this principle, the principle of ownership. If you don't get this one right, okay, if you don't grasp this, you will never make your money count. That's principle number one, ownership. God owns it all. God trusts you with his wealth. And that leads us right into our second principle, principle number two, the principle of stewardship. If God owns it all, and he does, and and if what you have is a trust from God, and it is, then that means that you have a responsibility now, don't you? You have a responsibility to be a good steward of God's wealth. You see, it's one thing to manage your own money, okay? If If you mess up on that, that's on you, right? But it's another thing to manage someone else's money. So what does God tell you about being good stewards of his money, the money he entrusts into your care? Three things here, all very important. First of all, God tells you to spend carefully. Spend carefully. Some of us are careful spenders. Some of us not so careful, right? Jesus said this in the Gospel of Luke. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Did you catch that? It's a warning, right? Watch out. Be on your guard. Don't be tricked into thinking that the more stuff you have, the happier you will be. Now, of course, this runs counter to everything the world tells you about your money, right? We live in a spending culture. We think money is for spending. That's what it's for, right? We put bumper stickers on our cars. Maybe you've seen this one. Bumper stickers that say, he who dies with the most toys wins. You ever seen that one, right? You, want to know, you know what God says about that? Here's, here's the bumper sticker you should put on in response. God says, he who dies with the most toys still dies, okay? I mean, that's the reality of it. Jesus puts it all into perspective. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Take it all away 
and you will find out who you really are. You see, a spending problem is really a desire problem. We get into trouble with spending because we think more stuff will make us feel more fulfilled. We see something, oh, I gotta have it! Might not be able to afford it, or maybe I can, but I don't know if I need it, but I gotta have it, so you get it. And you think, man, if I get this, it's just gonna feel so good. You bring it home a couple days later, it's sitting in a corner, you never think about it again. Because you're on to the next thing. It's like, oh, look at that. I gotta have one of those, and you get it. And then, oh, I got that. It's never ending. See, it doesn't work that way. You are made in God's image, you are far too valuable to be fulfilled. By stuff. You were made for God. And only God will fulfill your life. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. You want great gain? Here it is, right there. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You're managing someone else's money. So you need to be careful how you spend. Now this is where your people aren't going to like this, okay? This is where budgeting comes in, okay? Oh, we hate that word, budget. I know it's not very popular. But you see, every family, every business, every individual, every church needs a budget. And if you don't like that word budget, just, just call it a spending plan. Okay, that's all it really is. It's a spending plan. I like the way one person put it. A budget is simply a plan for telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it, where it all went, right? <laughs> telling them where to go instead of wondering where it all went. You see, if you don't have a budget... You need one. Let me encourage you. Take some time. Put a spending plan together. If you don't know how to do that, we have some great resources here at the church. Uh, the library, the church library, we've got resources there. We've got uh, budget worksheets that will help you with that. We've got financial people who will sit down with you and help you put together a good budget. But your first step in being a good steward of God's money is simply this. Spend carefully. Secondly, save wisely. Save wisely. Proverbs 6 uh, says this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Now an ant is a tiny little creature, right? With a tiny little brain. I'm guessing, I'm, I'm hoping that most of us have brains bigger than an ant's, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that's a safe guess, right? And yet God made the ant incredibly wise when it comes to saving for the future. In fact, God sets the ant before us as a role model. Okay, this is your role model when it comes to the art of saving. The ant works hard all summer long just saving and storing for the troubled times of winter when food will be scarce. God says, go to the ant, consider its ways, and be wise. 
You may remember the story of Joseph from Joseph from the book of Genesis in the Bible, right? Joseph was living in Egypt at the time. And God gave Pharaoh some disturbing dreams about some fat and skinny cows and then some fat and skinny stalks of grain. And Joseph interpreted the dream for him. Told him God was foretelling seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And then Joseph gave Pharaoh the following advice. We'll pick it up in Genesis 41, verse 33. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man. Remember, save wisely, a wise man. And put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve and savings for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. This plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all his officials, so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Joseph knew that the famine was coming, and so he wisely recommended a savings plan to prepare for the troubled times ahead. I'm not a prophet like Joseph, but let me tell you something. The famine is coming for each one of us at different times. Troubled times are coming. Everyone goes through troubled times with our finances. We need to save for it. We need to be ready for it. Proverbs 22.3 says, A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Do you want to be a good steward of God's money? Spend carefully, save wisely, and then thirdly, there's another real important one here, keep out of debt. And I know this is a tough one for some of us. Let me walk you through this, okay? Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant, or you could translate that slave, to the lender. You know, there's a great saying, when your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep becomes your downfall. You like that? We're right up there. When your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep becomes your downfall. You know, in the old days, that never happened. Your outgo uh, was always limited by your income, right? If you didn't have the money, you couldn't buy it. And so you did without. That's not our world anymore, is it? With credit cards and easy debt, you can easily let your outgo exceed your income and every time it becomes your downfall. Debt is slavery. And God wants you to be free. Once again, this is not our money we are playing with. God owns it all. We're just stewards. And debt is poor stewardship of God's money. Now, there are times when you will need to borrow money. For example, to purchase a home or to start a business. But those are really examples of investments rather than debt. You're investing in something that has value and will increase in value. However, you still need to be careful in how you invest. You need to make sure that you can handle the payments that go along with that investment so you don't lose the investment, right? So 
What do you do if you find yourself in debt? And, and if you find yourself in debt this morning, please know you're not alone. You're not alone in this room. You're not alone in this city. You're not alone in the country. We've all been there and a lot of us are still there. What do you do if you find yourself in debt? You apply yourself diligently to paying down your debt so that you can be free to serve God with your money. Once again, Romans 13 says it this way. Give everyone what you owe him. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. I like that. There's only one debt you should keep on your books and that is the debt to love one another as God has loved you. But when it comes to money, in order to be a wise steward of God's funds, you need to do all that you can to keep and stay out of debt. Once again, if this is an area of difficulty for you, we can help. We have resources and teaching materials. We have worksheets that will help you pay down your debt and regain your freedom. Doesn't that sound wonderful? If you need help, please just ask. Don't be embarrassed. We've all been there. There are others there right now too. Please ask because we want to help you in any way. How do you make your money count, understand, and apply the biblical principle of ownership? We've talked about it. Understand and apply the principle of stewardship. We've talked about it. Thirdly and finally, understand and apply the biblical principle of generosity. Generosity. Three things to cover here. First of all, God loves a generous heart. God loves a generous heart. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. God is a generous God. And he expects us to be generous too. In fact, he encourages us to be generous by, we just read that in Proverbs, by promising rewards for those who are generous with their money. We read about the law of the harvest in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. As any farmer knows, if you sow seed sparingly, you will, you will reap a small harvest. And perhaps you are reaping sparingly in your life these days. If so, ask yourself a question. Are you sowing sparingly? Because that would make sense. Those who sow generously will reap a rich harvest. Now, this is not like the prosperity teachers you sometimes hear on TV. I'm not saying, give all your money to God and he's just going to make you rich. Okay, It doesn't work that way. But I can tell you this. You cannot outgive God. It's never going to happen. You cannot outgive God. God will reward you one way or another. If not in this life, then certainly in the next. Because God loves a generous heart. Secondly, money is a tool for blessing others. 
Acts 20.35, we read, By this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Or we read in Ephesians 4.28, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. See, this is the whole reason for our careful stewardship of God's funds, right? We work hard, we earn money, then we spend carefully and save wisely so that we, we are able to take care of our families and we are able to give generously to those who are in need. Remember, your life does not consist in how much you have. Rather, your life consists in how much you love and serve God and other people. We said there are three parts to this principle of generosity. God loves a generous heart. Money is a tool for blessing others. And finally, number three, store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Jesus said in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever you keep for yourself, you leave behind when you die. Whatever you give for God's kingdom, you send on ahead for all of eternity. Proverbs 19.17 says, He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. And the Lord will reward him for what he has done. This is an amazing verse. Let me put it in the context of all that we've just uh, spoken about so you can see how amazing this is, right? First of all, we said what? God owns it all. Then he entrusts it into your care. He loans it to you, right? Everything you have is on loan from God. What does this verse say? It says when you lend God's money back to him, God owns it. He loans it to you. You lend it back to him by helping others. And then what does he do? He rewards you for what you've done. It all came from Him anyways. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God amazing? That is the principle of generosity in action. John Wesley once preached a three-part sermon on money. I love the sermon. I've read it through several times. But his three points went like this. Earn as much as you can. Save as much as you can. Give as much as you can. It's pretty good, isn't it? And then he elaborated, earn as much as you can lawfully and within God's purpose and calling for your life. Save as much as you can by spending carefully and investing wisely and then give as much as you can to God's work and to to help those in need. I believe those three points are real similar to the things we've looked at today, right? How do you make your money count? Understand and apply these three principles from God's Word. The principle of ownership. Number one, God owns it all and He entrusts His wealth into your care. Principle number two, the principle of stewardship. It's not your money. Therefore, spend carefully, save wisely, and keep out of debt. 
And number three, the principle of generosity. God loves a generous heart. Money is a tool for blessing others. Store up treasure in heaven, not on earth. And if you will follow those three principles from the Bible, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that you will make your money count, both for now and eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the teaching we've received this morning. Lord, I imagine for each of us, a different part of this message might have uh, touched kind of a tender part, a sore part in our lives, uh, a part that we're struggling with, perhaps a part that we've been fighting to hold on to, that we haven't been willing to yield to you. Lord, I pray for each of us, whatever that that one part is, that right now in in this holy moment, Lord, as we've just heard your word, Holy Spirit, speak to us about that area in our lives and speak to us about making change. Lord, help us to make that commitment right now. Lord, I'm sorry for holding back in this area. God, I'm going to yield this area to you. You could do so much better uh, with my money than I can. So, Lord, I'm going to trust you and give this to you. Lord, change me for the better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.